The fact is, what we should be doing, we talked about the Supreme Court. I'm looking forward to making sure there's a black woman on the Supreme Court to make sure we, in fact, get I'm Emily Williams, and this is Understand South Carolina, a weekly podcast from the Post and Courier. A seat is opening up on the United States Supreme Court. President Joe Biden has said that, for the first time, a black woman will serve on the country's highest court. The question, of course, is who it will be. South Carolina Judge Michelle Childs is one potential pick. Childs has the support of Jim Clyburn of South Carolina, the House Majority Whip, an ally of Biden, and the person who told Biden in the first place that he should commit to appointing a black woman to the Supreme Court. Today, we're talking about the political dynamics surrounding this Supreme Court pick and child's prospects as a potential nominee. I'm Nick Reynolds, and I'm the State House reporter based out of Post and Courier's office in Columbia. So first, let's lay out the details of how this Supreme Court seat opened up. Who is stepping down, and are the political dynamics on the court going to change? The seat that's opening up is the one that was currently held by Stephen Breyer, who's a liberal justice appointed during the Clinton years. Breyer's made some notable rulings over the years and was a reliable vote in the liberal corner of the bench. He wrote the majority opinion on a ruling overturning the Nebraska law banning partial birth abortions and was a key figure in overruling the controversial citizenship question that was proposed to be included on the 2020 census. But Breyer's old. He's 83 years old, and right now the political dynamic in this country indicates that Biden appoints someone fast. When RBG died, it happened at a time where Republican control of the court was narrow, 5-4, and uh, with her death, it allowed Republicans to fill her seat with Amy Coney Barrett, who is not only much younger than any of the other justices on the court, but also much more conservative. It's a real lasting impact to the makeup of the bench. While President Joe Biden still has more than two years left in his term, the fate of Democrats' majorities in the House and Senate are still very much an open question heading into the 2022 midterms. And because you need Senate confirmation to appoint a judge, Biden could very well only have a limited time to fill that vacant seat with a liberal justice. It makes sense to do that with someone relatively young who can help maintain the current status quo of the 6-3 majority until another seat opens up. To talk about this, we really need to take things back to the 2020 primary season, heading into the Democratic primary in South Carolina, Biden really needed a win. There was a debate hosted here in Charleston, and near the end of that debate, Biden, for the first time, publicly committed to putting a black woman on the Supreme Court if he had the opportunity. The fact is, what we should be doing, we talked about the Supreme Court. I'm looking forward to making sure there's a black woman on the Supreme Court to make sure we, in fact, get every representation. Not a joke. Not a joke. I pushed very hard for that. The South Carolina primaries are absolutely critical in the life cycle of a presidential campaign. It's the first primary in the South, and the South, as you know, is likely the most dynamic voting bloc in the nation, both philosophically and demographically, more so than Iowa, more so than New Hampshire, where you have really homogenous voting blocks whose uh, positions have kind of faded in recent decades as the country has grown to be a more diverse place. At the time he got here, Biden's campaign was staring into the abyss. He really needed a strong showing in South Carolina to turn his campaign around. South Carolina Congressman Jim Clyburn, a longtime friend of his, knew very full well that Biden didn't stand a chance without strong support from the black community, which already had some doubts about him. 
I took the opportunity uh, during the South Carolina primary to say uh, to then candidate Biden that I thought that um, there was an issue that needed to be addressed, and I thought it was very, very important to the African-American community that it be addressed. That's Representative Jim Clyburn speaking to reporters about this Supreme Court opening on January 27th. His campaign was um, struggling, had just lost three primaries. And this was, quite frankly, uh, do or die for him. I urged him uh, to come out publicly for putting an African-American woman on the Supreme Court. It was Jim Clyburn not only who gave him an endorsement, but who encouraged Biden to make that commitment that he would put a black woman on the Supreme Court. So Clyburn has spoken more about this since then. He was actually talking about this a year ago, and that's when he first brought up a a specific name. So who is Representative Clyburn recommending fill this seat on the Supreme Court? You know, I, I could hunt down the exact quote. He said, I wouldn't want to bind the president to a certain person, but if I had my choice, it would always be Columbia's Judge Michelle Childs. And for clear reasons, I think. You know, she's one of the most respected jurists in the state. She's uh, an adopted South Carolinian, you know, born elsewhere, um, went to school elsewhere, but has spent most of her life living and working in the state. And she has this incredible story with a degree of life experience that Clyburn has long maintained was lacking from the nation's highest court. What do we know about Michelle Childs? Like you said, she's lived in South Carolina most of her life. Where is she from? When did she come to South Carolina? You know, what are some of the things that we know about her before her career? Yeah, Childs is originally from Detroit, but after her father, a police officer, was killed in the line of duty around the age of 13, her family moved down south where she worked to obtain degrees in Florida and later uh, here in Columbia, where she went to law school. Uh, She currently serves on the U.S. District Court of South Carolina, which is one of the lower levels of the federal justice system. But it's a job that carries a lot of responsibility. She's made rulings overturning policies put in place by Governor Henry McMaster's administration around things like voting rights and has been a key figure in cases with real constitutional bearing that lower courts aren't equipped to handle. And uh, she showed the aptitude for the job early in law school. One of the first uh, legal actions she took was actually as a student when she sued a pageant director from her undergraduate days after she was denied her winnings. And for the most part, classmates we'd spoken to, uh, many of whom have become very accomplished attorneys in their own right, have uh, only had really amazing things to say about her. So right, she went to law school in Columbia at the University of South Carolina. There's something significant about that right. Since she's one of the people definitely being considered for the Supreme Court seat, why is that significant where she went to law school? Well, I think there's been a lot of discussion over the recent weeks about the just elite nature of the Supreme Court. Most of the justices have gone to Ivy League institutions, and the one who hasn't went to Notre Dame. There's this idea that having someone from a state school would kind of help the court get away from some of the, I guess, recent traditions of how they approach ruling. You know, they always talked about uh, previous judges, you know, if someone clerked under Justice Scalia or, you know, someone worked under a certain justice, it was kind of understood that they had a certain philosophy of how to approach issues. And when you have judges who learn from the same groups of professors consistently, it's 
the exact same principle. You're entering the court with a preset philosophy over how the Constitution should be applied. Childs, coming from a school like the University of South Carolina, with a lot of practical experience, both within the bureaucracy and uh, as a judge at the lower to the highest levels of the justice system in South Carolina, is kind of seen as someone with uh, something different to offer in the conversation. Coming out of the blue-collar family, growing up in a single-parent household and having the kind of experiences that, uh, that so many people will be standing, should be standing in or sitting in judgment of, I always say it is good for judges and other people in public office to have the ability to empathize, which you cannot do unless you've had the experiences to understand what has gone on before you. Justice Child, Judge Childs has everything I think it takes to be a great justice of the Supreme Court. Like we said, Michelle Childs is Representative Jim Clyburn's first choice for filling the seat. What has he specifically said about her and why she has his support? Yeah, he's spoken very highly of her and has uh, always been a strong voice in her corner. You know, very early on in the Biden administration, Clyburn was um, calling on Biden to fulfill his promise to fill a black woman to the Supreme Court and was mentioning Childs' name uh, very early in his presidency. As um, talk has increased, uh, Clyburn has gone to work. You know, he's been working to lobby people up in the Senate. Uh, it was actually an image a couple weeks ago of Clyburn sitting at a table with Lindsey Graham, who's uh, another proponent of Childs's, and Tim Scott, just with you know, this benign caption of just having lunch, talking about things happening on the Hill. But I think it was kind of presumed that they were talking about uh, Childs' potential nomination for the Supreme Court. And uh, I think for very good reason. It's a basically split Senate right now. And there's kind of a feeling that even if they don't need it, Democrats want every vote they can get. You mentioned Senator Lindsey Graham of, of South Carolina. He, a Republican, has also supported Childs. What has he said about her specifically? He said that he couldn't think of anyone better. And while he didn't commit to supporting any other justice, he seemed to insinuate strongly that it might be worth the Biden administration's while to find someone Republicans could support and uh, that they could probably count on him to be one of those Republicans if Childs was nominated. That's a huge plus for Childs in this regard. I mean, the Supreme Court has always been very political, but over the last few decades, Republicans have taken that to a completely different level. Most conservative picks are hand-selected by groups like the Federalist Society. I think the last three consecutive picks are members, and those are mostly for very clear ideological purposes. In a unified Republican front, it's going to be very hard to get anyone to agree to break those ranks. Lindsey Graham coming over actually helps to soften up that blockade a little bit, but um, that does come with a caveat. So it's not actually a given that Graham's support is going to bring over everybody, but you know, even people like Tim Scott coming out to be supportive of uh, Michelle Childs uh, does say a lot about her chances with Republicans. We'll be right back with more after this quick message. Hi, I'm Avery Wilkes, a projects reporter for the Post and Courier Columbia. As journalists, we work hard to hold powerful people accountable for the decisions that they make and how they affect others. And we have a track record of investigations that have brought about real, tangible change in our community. But that kind of watchdog reporting isn't free. 
It's time-consuming and expensive. To pay for it, we need people to subscribe and support journalism with real dollars. Help us keep going. Learn how to subscribe at postingcourier.com slash subscribe. Let's talk a little bit more about Michelle Childs and her career here in South Carolina. What are some of the major points of her legal career that have gotten her to the point where she is today, right? Being considered for the Supreme Court. There's um, two elements of this that I think are you know, really working for people's support for her in the state. And you know, one is her bureaucratic experience. Uh, she was an appointee to the Department of Labor under Governor Jim Hodges, a Democrat, who uh, actually had to recruit her out of private practice to take that position. And for her, it did seem kind of a perfect opportunity. You know, talking to her classmates from law school, a lot of them said that she was always, you know, service-minded and was not really someone who was overly ambitious, was just someone who really had a good command of their subject matter and uh, just knew what they were doing. Michelle Childs is just kind of considered a competent individual and someone that you really want serving in a cabinet-level position. Hodges put her to work in that, and from reviews we've heard not only from her former colleagues, but even from other people in the legal community, her work defending people in that role and workers' compensation claims. It's it's a type of experience that most judges don't typically get, right? And so by the time she actually moved up to some of the higher courts, she was already informed by the issues that really do face everyday South Carolinians and kind of had a perspective on people in the state that you can't really get out of a textbook. That's really one of the things that's kind of in her benefit as she's being considered for a Supreme Court seat. So, of course, Michelle Childs would be filling a liberal seat that's being vacated on the court. But some left-leaning Democrats have concerns about her being on the shortlist for the Supreme Court. Where is that criticism coming from? What are those people saying? A lot of these concerns date back to her time uh, working with Columbia-based firm Nexon Pruitt, which uh, works in a large part with management side labor negotiations. You know, we're talking about union drives. We're talking about uh, you know discrimination charges from employees, that sort of thing. And uh, you know, Michelle Childs did work many of those cases during the time that she was a partner at Nexon Pruitt to the point that um, you know a number of liberal labor groups have raised concerns about the prospect of her nomination. And we raised those concerns in our story, too. And I actually asked around, you know, do you think that this could um, you know, potentially stymie her selection or, you know, cause problems with Democrats? And in the large part, most people said no. You know, during the time she worked at Nexon Pruitt, I mean, you got to think that she was a blue chip prospect of the South Carolina Law School, was actually the first black partner in the history of that firm and one of the first full partners who was a woman in Columbia at the time. You know, in her defense, a lot of people do say that she was just a capable lawyer doing her work. You know, during the Department of Labor time, uh, as we mentioned earlier, she worked a lot of workers' compensation cases for people who um, were potentially being jilted by employers who were hurt on the job. And as a judge, you know, she's made some rulings that really do fly in the face of uh, Republican objectives at the time. Actually, her ruling during the 2020 elections to overturn a controversial um, signatory requirement for absentee ballots, you know, attracted the ire of some of uh, South Carolina's own Republicans in Congress. It, it was an interesting question that was raised primarily by liberal news outlets early in the cycle around this. But, you know, for the most part, the people in her corner are saying that there isn't really anything to them. What do we know about child's prospects overall for getting confirmed if she is President Biden's pick? 
The precedent um, to require 60 votes to confirm a Supreme Court justice is long gone. And you know, we saw that used uh, quite liberally during the Trump years. It's very likely that Biden could do the exact same thing here if he wanted to. But it seems in this cycle, even if they're not required, Biden wants Republican support for this pick, of course. But there's also a number of other really good candidates in the race, too, that are kind of being considered on the short list. And you know, that's you know, one thing that needs to be considered. You know, there's kind of the advantage that Democrats could have in appointing someone, you know, who's extremely young and liberal, you know, their own version of Amy Cody Barrett. But the Supreme Court has been a really big political talking point now. And there also is a concern that if you rock the boat too much, you might uh, actually polarize things even more. It seems like, you know, there might be something to gain by Biden actually making a more moderate selection for the pick that could potentially get some Republican support. And like you said, there are, of course, other people being considered. Who are some of those other names that are being discussed as possible picks for the Supreme Court? Yeah, and this is where it gets interesting because Childs is actually an outlier among some of the other candidates. Um, You have Kintaji Brown-Jackson, who Biden picked to fill now Attorney General Merrick Garland's seat on the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals, which is the second most influential court in the nation. She's young. I think she's only about 51 years old. Also a Harvard grad, which fills in line with most of the picks on the Supreme Court. She's also attracted uh, quite a bit of uh, support from the Black Caucus, according to national media reports. Uh, You also have Yale graduate Leandra Kruger, who has served as an associate justice on the California Supreme Court. She's the youngest out of the potential judges, 45, and has held several high-ranking posts at the Department of Justice. So is very well-versed in the scene of D.C. already and kind of matches the profile of someone that you would want to occupy a seat on the court for potentially decades. Finally, in the field, you have Leslie Abrams Gardner, who's a federal district court judge in Georgia. There is one problem with her selection of it. While she's accomplished in her own right, she is the sister of Georgia gubernatorial candidate Stacey Abrams, a connection that would likely make her unacceptable to most Republicans. But Childs' chances compared to some of these other candidates are a little tough to gauge. She's relatively young at 55, but older than each of the other candidates at a time where there is a heavy emphasis on judges who could serve for decades. She also lacks the prestigious academic backgrounds of some of these other judges, but uh, some see that as an advantage. Biden himself is a product of public education. And as we mentioned earlier, the argument among some liberal goals is that the court shouldn't be as dominated by the Ivy League as it currently is. So Childs would balance out that dynamic. All right, that's all for today. For more related coverage from the Post and Courier, check our show notes where I've linked some recent stories. For the latest politics news from South Carolina, you can subscribe to our Palmetto Politics newsletter. It's free, and I'll also leave a link to sign up in today's show notes. If you have comments, questions, or suggestions for this podcast, email us at understandsc at postandcourier.com, or find us on Twitter at understandsc. Understand South Carolina is a production of The Post and Courier. Our intro music is by Billy Fountain. You can find his music on Spotify. Let us know what you think of the show. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Keep up with the latest headlines at postandcourier.com. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next week with a different news story from our state.